I wish I had the sound of wind just whistling across the prairie. You know how it how it sounds out there when there's nobody out and everybody's quiet and you're just listening. Just that was the uh, that was one of the the big uh, uh, campaign rallies for uh, Biden and Harris in Arizona. Rickets. Nobody. I'm, I'm I'm not kidding. Zero. The only people who showed up were the people that were running the rally. Nobody else showed up. Not one person. And I'm sorry, you can't convince me that this man has a 10 or a 12-point lead on Donald Trump when I'm watching his rallies, and there's tens of thousands of people there. Unbelievable. The intensity intensity is off the charts. It's the same way it was in 2016. Even in Arkansas this past weekend, there were people all over the state for the Trump rallies. Did you drive around? You betcha. You did? You betcha. It was awesome. So you guys left Conway and went to Volonia? Oh, we left North Con- North Pulaski County, went all the way through Conway a couple of different ways, back around, out to Valonia, back back through Conway again, over 300 vehicles. It was fabulous. There were people all along the route. We were out for three hours. Yeah, Greg called Everywhere up and down. I heard him. Yes. And it was a wonderful thing. He said thing. it was fantastic and said people came up all the way from down south in in magnolia and uh monticello texacana to come to little rock you bet you there's bet. a lot of people that drove around little rock i should have come over i forgot all about it oh i should have reminded you talked with a gal in little rock who was from monticello yeah okay they had 130 cars in their parade in monticello monticello is not red country yeah well it <laughs> is so, for trump oh it was fabulous and everybody was so pumped and it was such a uplifting happy pleasant cheerful everybody was in it oh except very, for the people who drove good. by and oh, were not trump so and they, oh, were, they told us we were number one dave <laughs> i don't see i don't i don't believe that's what they were doing i think, <laughs> I think that they were i think they were telling you what their iq is <laughs> there you go <laughs> uh, that's, that's basically what i we, we did have a troll that decided to follow the group at some point i don't think it worked out really well for them but <laughs> okay a couple of things in music today first oh yeah all right uh I just found out about this yesterday. I don't know how I missed it. I don't know if it just didn't make the news uh, big because of what was going on about, uh, you know, the presidential debate and and whatnot. Uh, But uh, last week, Mac Davis passed away. Yeah. And I'm a big Mac Davis fan, and he's great. And you remember his number one song. Here you go. You're getting that look in your eyes And it's starting to worry me I don't think you could record this song now I'm just saying, listen to the words I ain't ready for no family ties Nobody's gonna hurry me Just keep it friendly, girl, cause I don't want to leave. Don't start clinging to me, girl, cause I can't breathe. Baby, baby, don't get looked on. 
feminists are going crazy right now. I'll just use you and then I'll set you free. <laughs> yeah, he was being truthful. But it was ni- that was what, 69 or whatever that that song came out. And it was what was going on in our culture at that time here in, in America. Now, I'm going to make everybody that's a baby boomer feel old today. I know I did today when I saw this. 49 years ago today, Broadway was changed. Or I mean changed big time. And uh, Lloyd Webber. That's right. Did his thing. And Tim Rice. Jesus Christ Superstar came out this day in 71 that was the concept album they didn't have the money to take it to produce a stage play with it and uh, you had murray head played uh, judas yvonne element who you're hearing right here and i i don't know how to love him and do you remember do you remember who the guy that sang the part of jesus christ was i remember his face okay do, <laughs> do you do you remember what rock group that he was with no I don't remember. He was with Deep Purple. Was he in Gillen? That's right. That's right. Gillen. Ian Gillen was it. the lead. And I, I thought it was... I, I bring that up only because I was reading the article about it, and they don't even mention Ian Gillen in the article. And I'm going, oh, my God. I can't believe he didn't even mention his name. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, and what did he do after? Deep Purple. Deep Purple. I mean, come on. Oh, so, Yeah. I mean, Machine Head came up after that, and I mean, you know, My Woman difference. from Tokyo and all the rest of Oh, yeah, of what a difference of that. Come on. We're talking, we're talking major, uh, such smoke on the water. Did I tell you the story about when I sat down and talked to Ian Gillen and Roger Glover of Deep Purple? Have fun. I did an interview with them, and uh, they told the story about smoke on the water to me. And they were sitting on... Um, at a restaurant, having early morning cappuccinos, not cappuccinos, <laughs> they had coffee. And they were looking over Lake Geneva, and where they were supposed to perform that night, there was this pail of smoke hanging over it and over the lake, because uh, Frank Zappa and the Mothers had performed the night before, and somebody had fired a flare gun... <laughs> Up into the ceiling and burned the place to the ground. I mean, oh, those it's all were the, the days. Oh, those were the days. Yeah, it's all. It's, yeah, it's all in the song. And yeah. uh, you know, they talked about they were sitting there and talking, and and uh, and Glover said Ian looked at him and said, "Man, look at the smoke on the water." How cool! And that uh, and Glover went, "Smoke on the water, smoke on the water." And so they wrote that down on a napkin, and the, the, you can see this in the. Um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They, they, they held on to that napkin. And you can oh, see yeah. they wrote Smoke on the Water on the top. And then they wrote all the lyrics. And then they went back to their room. And, and Glover sat down with his bass. And he, he started, they said, well, how are we going to start this? You know, And Glover <laughs> was just kind of 
diddling around. Plucking around on his, on his guitar. Dun, dun, dun. Rest is history. One of the biggest songs they ever, ever had. I mean, when you talk, you talk about classic rock. That's it. That's a song. All that's right. It. That's one of those songs from the back then. But yeah, that was that was great because uh, I was sitting there talking to them. Richie Blackmore didn't do interviews. And I'm sitting there and I was in the Air Force at the time. And I'm in my uh, blues and uh, Richie Blackmore walked in and uh, he took my hat off and uh, uh, put it on and put a deep purple hat on my hat and walked oh. out, of the be- out, of the, out of the room. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I didn't care. And, and, didn't care. and Dave, for those who don't know, you were in the Air Force. What were you doing? Well, when I was in the Air Force, <laughs> I was in Armed Forces Radio and Television. I was in the Far East Network. And uh, I had been over on Guam for five years, and I got a call uh, from a colonel who I'd worked with. Uh, he was the head of the, the PR office. He's the PAO. And uh, he says, hey, Ellswick, how would you like to do all the internal information for the Air Force? And I said, I, at that time, I had, I had deployed, I had PCS over to the United States again, and I was up at Wurtsmith Air Force Base in Michigan on uh, lake huron and uh, i said sir i've only been here six months they're not going to send me down to san antonio and he says hey you let me worry about that i had i had i had uh orders the next day from uh general abel and you did what and then yeah at that point my job was to uh, cut air force weekly if you guys who have been in the air force remember that and also help put together Air Force Now. And then after those two things, I did interviews. You did broadcast, right? Yeah, yeah. I did. My interviews were with rock and roll groups. <laughs> uh, I was able to get Christian contemporary groups. I was the first one to interview Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. And, and this was when they came to that part of the world to well, do they their were tours just to, and that they were sort touring of thing. around. Yeah. I mean, Amy and, and Michael were in Austin. Yeah. And I was in San Antonio, so oh, okay. I drove. I drove Here. to Austin. Okay. And uh, and interviewed them. Oh, this was stateside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I interviewed them and uh, then put the show together. It uh, it was Amy's uh, album, Age to Age, if you remember that, and uh, did that. And then Friends by Michael. Uh, you know, I mean, it was. I got to meet a lot of people. Very and, cool. And got to do a lot of different interviews. People that I never thought I'd ever meet, I sat down face-to-face with and talked to. Who was the nicest one of all those rock stars that you talked with? Rock stars? Uh, you know, the big, big names everybody knows. Joan Jett was great. Of course, she wasn't a huge name yet. She had just come out with, you know, I love rock and roll. And I met her, I met her and then I interviewed Kenny Laguna while he was there. Uh, Carlos Santana was awesome. <laughs> You know, he was wow. really an awesome guy, a uh, very, very humble man. And uh, what I would expect, actually, not not humble. Uh, you know, DeYoung of Sticks, Dennis DeYoung was not a humble, not person. humble. <laughs> uh, the worst interview I ever did or, or had to do, uh, Billy Squire. Really? They say he's quite a jerk. Well, he they did say he that. was quite the drug addict yeah yeah <laughs> i'll be honest to fairly, you know? fairly consumed with you know? his own and, activities and he had one big hit you know stroke it i mean that yeah. was it yeah well okay 
coolest interview. I did kiss, all right? Yes. All right. I yes. sat down with Rod. With I, I or sat, without makeup. Without. <laughs> it was when they when they had decided to go without makeup. Yeah. And I, I sat down with them in New York City and, and did that interview. And <laughs> what was it? What was that album? Lick It Up? Was that the album? I don't remember the name. I, think that's I know what the it was picture called. on the front. I, I don't, have a, I don't have a mind for the names. But anyway, we sat down and, and talked. And then, uh, but uh, real cool. I, I, I sat down with Ann and Nancy Hart. Yes. Wilson of Hart. And I said, hey, can you get me in to talk to the guy that opened for you? Because I'd really like to interview him. And they said, sure. And so they took me over to his dressing room and, and they said, John, this guy would like to talk to you. And of course, his eyes lit up because nobody he, knew him. Well, yet. Well, he had this one song that was out right then called Jack and Diane. And let's see. <laughs> <so Huh. laughs> I, I sat down and talked to <laughs> Mr. That time, Mellencamp. John Cougar was Mr. Mellencamp. He, he, yeah, he went Cougar. by Cougar at that yeah. time. And that was that was an interesting. Wow. Was a nice guy. Both of us being Hoosiers. It was a lot of fun, and both of us being Indiana fans and oh, basketball. that's true. That's true. That would have been a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Because his music's all about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of it. Yeah, yeah. a lot of it is about yeah. what it's like to be a Hoosier. It really yeah. is. Anyway, not enough for me of talking about that stuff. I, I should write a book about this. You should. I mean, serious series. There's a lot of interesting interviews that I have I have done that have been fun. Famous famous actor. All right. I'm looking at Heidi. You know, uh, interviewed him at his house. You know him for movies like Ben-Hur, uh, Ten Commandments, things of that nature. You interviewed Charlton Heston? Charlton Heston Woo-hoo. at his house. Wow. At his house. And that I've got a picture of me sitting in his cast chair from the Ten Commandments. It says Chuck on the back. And I'm sitting and I've got my arm up and I'm looking back over the chair and the photographer that was with us that took that picture. And I still, I, I hold that with high regard because he was one of my favorite. Oh, actors. absolutely. Very cool. All right. 20 minutes after six on a uh, Dave Ellswick show. Well, we come back. Big news last night in Woo! Washington, D.C. Yes. I wish we had that piece and we could play it on the air that you got. It's too. It's not. The women. The women are using bad words. All right, but it's it's, yeah. it's a bunch of lefties freaking out after Amy Coney Barrett was given going to get the black robe. You, you, know? you think the gal that I think everybody has seen the video of the gal <laughs> in the car <laughs> shrieking yeah. when yeah. it was first announced. Yeah. This is that like four or five times over with all the different multiple screens it's It's horrible all right we'll come back we'll talk about it in a moment it's dave ellswick's show stick around we got a lot of good things for you here on 101.1 fm the answer heidi can i tell one more story okay about heston charlton heston uh had agreed to do an interview with us and then to cut some uh, retention spots now that's you know we want you to stay in the air force right and and they were those those spots were working and they're yeah, and we knew that we saw we had about a five percent increase in retention and so we were out uh, talking to him now i went to his house off to san joaquin valley his house was up on a hill and if i close my eyes i can still see it there was a walkway that came from his house down the hill to where we were at and we were in his pool room he had his swimming pool down there and he had a bunch of memorabilia his couple of his oscars there and and whatnot and we're emmys and we were looking at him 
And then out on a landing, as you walked out, there was this huge bronze statue. I mean, huge. I think it must have been 14 foot tall. Ooh. And it was of him and Brian Keith coming down the side of a mountain from the Mountain Men. If you've ever seen that movie, that's that's what Very cool. it was. Well, I'm sitting there with my crew. It was me and my camera crew, my sound man, and all the people that were there. And uh, I feel this hand on my shoulder. Now, Chuck Heston is an imposing, was an imposing man. He was 6'6". Huge guy. Big Huge. shouldered. He was just a big person. He was impressive. He was charismatic <laughs> as well. And uh, he says, hey, Sarge, can I talk to you a moment? I go, yeah. And, and I walked out and said, Mr. Heston, you know, what, what do you need? And he says, I was sitting here. You're going to love this, Heidi. He says to me, he says, I was sitting here reading your script. And I wouldn't say this line this way. <laughs> Great. This is not semantically the way I would say this. Do you mind if I change this line? And, you know, things go through your mind at the speed of light. And I'm thinking, shut up, Heston. Just sit down and read it. The way it's written. <laughs> do the job. No, I do the job. It. I did not do, do that. Do the job. Do the I didn't job. do that. I said, Mr. Heston, you read Whatever it whichever you like. way you like. <laughs> and uh, it, it's funny, though. I mean, that he just, he just I did wouldn't it. say it this way. You know? He just did it. And he cut it. And we, we got we got done. We we. We were supposed to have 30 minutes, and right at 30 minutes, I'm just telling you, right at 30 minutes, his wife yells from the house, oh, Chuck, Ronnie's on the phone. (laughs) He was the president of the United States because he was running for re-election. Ronnie. uh, Yeah. (laughs) And Heston was supposed to be uh, doing some deal with him that night. I thought that was funny. That's very cool. So he says, I got to go, guys. Ronnie's gotta, on the phone. I got to go, yeah. Ron, <laughs> I got to go take a call Ron from Ronnie. Ron Reagan was on the phone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I saw a movie the other night on um, TCM with uh, Reagan in it that I thought was 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 pretty good. was not bad. Reagan was not a really bad actor. No, he was not. And I knew him as an actor. Uh, and when he ran, I'm ashamed to say that my first reaction was, excuse me, an actor? An actor running for president. For president? Really? Yeah. What's Turns this world to be, coming to? Yeah, I, that was my first reaction, yes. We were talking about this. Uh, President Trump has now put three new members on the Supreme Court. How long, how long who, has it been? Who was the last president to put three justices on the Supreme Court? You know, Heidi, do you have any idea? Have any idea? What the president? What was the last president to do three? Ronald Reagan. Okay, so uh, a big uh, decision by the Supreme Court uh, yesterday. Yes, and uh, this is even before Barrett went on on the uh, the court. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, sided with the uh, Wisconsin GOP and uh, refused to extend Wisconsin's deadline for absentee ballots received after Election Day. And uh, here's the the, uh, the big headline. Supreme Court, Wisconsin can't count absentee ballots received after Election Day. That was a huge battle that was going on in the Midwest. Uh, that's a big win uh, for us. 
I mean, it just makes sense to me. Look, you, you get your absentee ballot. Uh, you send If you don't send it in postmarked before Election Day, it should not be counted. It just shouldn't be counted. You can't be voting after Election Day. It's ridiculous. I you mean, should. I have enough problems as it is with how far they do early voting now. I mean, uh, Arkansas, we do, what, two weeks? All right, that's one thing. There's some states, it's, a month. it's like a month and a half. That's crazy. It's not that hard to vote. I mean, come on, it is not that hard. I remember, you know, when I first started voting, you had to go on Election Day to the polling place. You had to get off work. If You know, it's always on a work day. It was very awkward. It's not now, like that anymore. It's easy. In, in, in our country at that time, uh, people were owners of businesses. We're supposed to give you an hour. And they go and go, did. and most of them did. Yeah. So you go and and vote. I remember the first time I voted. Of course, oh, no, it's a long it. time ago. You know, I was I was eighteen at that time. That's when I, they allowed us eighteen year olds to vote. First and, year that eighteen, and yeah. I went and voted. First year but, that eighteen. Uh, who did you vote for, Dave? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this much: I didn't vote for Richard Nixon. I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't vote Big for Richard mistake. Nixon. I, well, you know, and Nixon was like Trump. Okay, he was not a likable candidate at all. I liked no. his policies, but I did not like uh, him person, as a person. The person was not. I didn't like him likable. when he was in politics before them. You know, you're not going to have Dick Nixon to kick around anymore. He you know, was all not, that. He was not likable. You know, the checker speech and all of that kind of stuff. So anyway, it, it's just I, I voted against him. I ended up. It's the only time I ever voted for a Democrat for president. Never voted for a Democrat Senate. I voted for McGovern. I, you know, Who, at that by time, the way, just so you know, was more uh, leftist than they are today. Pretty much. Pretty much. But I just didn't know. Okay. Again, this is why, you know, I look at, uh, oh, who's the climate change gal, the 10-year-old or whatever. These, oh, they yeah. don't know what they're talking about. No. I didn't know what I was talking about. None of us do at 17, 18, 19 years old. And the only reason that went is because of the Vietnam War. That's right. And that's that was my whole topic at the time. Because so. if, if I could be drafted to go fight on a foreign shore, I should be, be able, able to, to vote. vote about that. And, uh, and I still agree with that. I really, really do. But we don't have to draft anymore. Well, there's that whole thing about, you know, where, what is the age of majority? 18, 20, 21. Yeah. For every, I think it ought to be the same for everything. Me. The big thing for me was that you could be sent to die for your country. Now, if you, if, if you could die for your country, you should be able to vote. And secondly, you should be able to drink a beer. Well, again, for me, <laughs> it should be across the board. You or know, buy a pack of cigarettes. All that stuff. All that stuff should be one age, and that's your age. It, it's not a different age for different activities. That doesn't make sense to me. I'm not with Pelosi, where she keeps saying 16, 16 years 16. old. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you're so smart at 16. Yeah. At 16, I'm just worried, I'm just worried about who am I going to ask out to prom. At 16, we'd end up with Cardi B for president or something. Good grief. I'm just saying. Ugh. Did you see where uh, Kanye was on Joe Rogan's show? With or without Kim? By himself. <laughs> By him. I've heard that they're through. Is that right? I don't know. Have he said he was going to divorce her, but I don't know. <laughs> that's been a while when he was going know. through one of those spells he's no had. That's no big deal to me. What I did mean, he tell I'm, Rogan? I mean, uh, he told Rogan that abortion uh, was nothing more than a way to get rid of black people. 
He's got it right. And, and it's right. I mean, that's, that's what Margaret it, Sanger did. She said that. She said that about black people and about Irish people. Irish, really? Yeah. Huh. She wanted to kill both of them. And, and she left the Jewish folks out of that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, I guess she thought Adolf Hitler was doing, a, a, you know, a, enough of a job at that time. Mm. Adolf mm. Hitler held her in high esteem. Well, of course, they have similar <laughs> Yeah, because of her views, views of I guess. eugenics. Yeah, yeah. So oh anyway, and, and it's interesting because now uh, there are people who are on the left that they don't want to get the Margaret Sanger Award. Well, and they've sort of disassociated, didn't they, just within the last handful of months? Yeah, Kind Planned of walk away and say, no, kind of we don't that, really yeah. want to. Yeah, we looked at anymore. history and... Maybe she stood for a few things we can't stand for. A few? You know, and it's funny. They're looking at that saying history tells us we shouldn't align ourselves with Miss Sanger. And yet when it comes to the 1619 project, it's like, let's oh, just make up Lord the history God. of the country and believe everything we're doing here. If They're so hypocritical. If you hear that is going to be taught in your school system, you better get on stop it. it. Stop it. And I think perhaps what we need to see is our... Now, I don't know. It might it might have happened. Maybe I missed this. Uh, I know that the governor is against, against it, uh, but the, the legislature should pass a law saying that that can't be taught. <laughs> they need to get rid of, um, you know, who's the writer uh, that wrote the history book that everybody is in. Zen. That word's Zen. Z-I-N-N. They tried to stop that. Um, was it... Um, Yes, what's his name up in the, in Northwest Arkansas? Think I got to think here for a moment. Uh, Hendren. Oh yeah. Who tried to stop, stop it, it a couple of years ago? And uh, I hope somebody will take that up again. That man is, as far as I'm concerned, Satan incarnate. And if you're a history teacher, you know I'm true. I'm right about this. You know this. better. You should know. You know better. he's he's taught so much crap. It's unbelievable unbelievable and people wonder why our young people today don't understand it's because they never learn well you wonder why you send your kid to school and they come back a little brown shirt it's just look at what's being taught to them i've said it for years the universities and colleges are factories for leftists when you have what 95 percent of the staff it used to be in colleges and and universities now it's in the high schools well that's and it's true dropping too. even into the middle schools and, and on top of that, you have our teachers who used to be so highly esteemed by, you know, the majority of our population. Uh, they're the ones who don't want to go to work. <laughs> you know, they're the only ones who basically at this point generally are able to say, oh, no, we're not, we don't want to go to work because of COVID. You know, the, the factory workers and the truck drivers and the you know, grocery stockers and the folks working in the restaurants who need those jobs. How come it is that the teachers don't? feel so you know tied to their jobs that they really need those jobs i have no idea because their jobs are so protected because they know they can pretty much do whatever they like and they won't lose their jobs you know rob ought to speak to that when he understands tenure yeah and and let's also understand that uh, it's not only uh, what's being taught to your kid uh, in the schools it's what's being taught to your kid uh, over the television I mean, seriously, yeah. over TV. Let me just, and by companies, uh, for instance. Netflix, I, cuties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've lost how many hundreds of thousands of And they deserve to. <laughs> and that's why 
their uh, stock price has gone down. Here is, it. you know, it's amazing to me what's coming out of the mouths of businesses. For instance, Tampex. <laughs> Here's what Tampex uh, <laughs> tweeted out. Fact. Not all women have periods. Also a fact. Not all people with periods are women. What? Not fact. What? Not yeah, that's fact. That's not a fact. Biology. Let's Go ce- look it up. Let's celebrate the diversity of all people who bleed. If you're, ble- if you're having a menstrual cycle, you are a woman. Biologically. You might be saying that you're a man. But you are a woman. This is what's gotten J.K. Rowling in trouble. Yes, because she dared to say outright right, that she didn't believe it. Did you hear how she said it, though? No. Well, she said, being a woman is not a costume. Thank you. <laughs> I thought that Good was, for her. I thought that was really well done. Well, and what I wanted to say well is said. you can put on whatever exterior you would like, and you can go out in the world and pretend and be whatever, you know, if you want to be, you know, an alligator, go be an alligator. But you can't change your biology, period. See, but they won't. There's only two kinds. They won't That's go the way there, it works. Elizabeth, they won't go there. I know. Uh, when you talk to them. Uh, one thing that I learned from Francis Schaefer is that you have to follow your philosophy to its logical end. <laughs> and uh, if you believe a man can be a woman just because he's identifying as a woman, then if your buddy comes to you and says that he's a gorilla, <laughs> then he's a gorilla, and I should go out and buy him a big old thing of bananas or something. And go but, put you him know, in a cage. If I maybe. told people, you know, my, my friends, he's a, he's a gorilla, and, and they would look at me like I was nuts. They said, well, <laughs> you, you, need, you need to help him get some help. And I said, why? He just believes he's a gorilla, just like. That guy over there believes that he's a woman. It it's a it's a mental <sighs> disorder. It gives me a headache. <laughs> it is a mental disorder. I'm not saying that should be discriminated against or anything like that. I'm just saying scientifically we know that is a mental disorder. All right. Fourteen minutes till. Seven o'clock. We gotta take a break. We'll talk some more. Stay around. We got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, so I've got uh, an article here about uh, Kanye and what he talked to Joe Rogan about. And he said that he'll soon be uh, helping provide funds and support for women with unplanned pregnancies through his program called Plan A. Uh, and, and see, that's the thing. If you're pro-life, you have to help people. I believe that find themselves in a position that they don't want to be and you don't convince them to have the child. And then after they've had the child, you don't help out the person with the child. That's why like caring hearts and, and others, we uh, support children yes, and mothers. That's correct. Uh, Wes citing his Christian belief said that if he were ever elected president, he'd be representing plan a. Uh, as uh, bringing it forth as a as a as a country in his interview with rogan uh, he also said it was time to end the association of planned parenthood with quote women's choice unquote while emphasizing the need to change the connotation of orphanages and foster care 
Yeah, you got to rename it. I understand what he's saying there. Makes sense. So you know we have to decouple that conversation. Uh, so of course I'm Christian, so I'm pro-life. He doesn't have any problem. He calls himself a Christian immediately. He says I'm pro-life. If you're not pro-life and you say you're Christian, you need to check your Christianity. Uh, and when I go into office, I'm not changing laws because I realize we live in an imperfect world and in an imperfect society. What I will be presenting is a plan A, and we've already started to work on plan A to change the connotation of orphanages, change the connotation of foster care. I'm going to see if I can get the guy on. I'd love to sit and talk to him. I really, really would. Uh, West also repeated his previous statements. This is where he he scares people because he makes so much sense. All right, here we go. That's it. He repeated his previous statements that Planned Parenthood was created for population control and eugenics. (gasps) Historically, that is absolutely accurate. He cited the harrowing fact that 1,000 black babies are aborted a day. A day. And compared them with the current COVID-19 numbers that everybody's so upset about. The 200,000. Let me talk about Planned Parenthood. There's the last figure I saw is that there were 210,000 deaths that's due to COVID in America. And everywhere you go, you see someone with a mask on with the abortion culture. He said there are 1,000 black children aborted a day. Did you know that in New York there are more black abortions than there are live births? Yes. Works. He says we're in genocide. So more black children have died in the past since February than people have died of COVID and everyone wears a mask. So it's a matter of where are we turning a blind eye to? Mm Mm-hmm. The media can control, a lot of times it has control, what we care about. And he's absolutely right. You're right about him scaring people because he says it so bluntly and straightforwardly that they can't deal with the thought. And I also like the way he calls it the abortion culture. Well, yeah. That's not is. a phrase you hear a lot yeah. in our you know, daily lives. That's where we live. I mean, That's what we all need to be. We need to be talking about the abortion culture. And he says this instead of. A woman's right to choose. Yeah, I know. That makes me sick. The yeah, woman's the, right the to choose was thing, when she had sex unprotected and she knew what she was doing. And that we have laws that don't make the men that impregnate women That's have to take of care of the children that they that they produce. I have you problems know, with that as well. I'm across the board on this, all I'm right? I'm with you. I'm with you. You're, you know, as a grown adult, you choose to take place in that activity. Okay, fine. But you can't ignore the consequences and pretend later that you can just, you know, kill it off. But the uh-uh. wrong thing to do, and we can get into this in the next hour because the Bible guys are coming, is for preachers not to stand in front of their churches and tell them that abortion is wrong. There is forgiveness for abortion. <laughs> There is forgiveness for premarital sex. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there, there's forgiveness, there's, but there's a nuance God to that does, message they're leaving God, out. Yes, God <laughs> does not want you to kill your baby, man or female. And it doesn't mean, oh, it's okay because God will forgive me. That's not the way that works. No, Paul. That's said, the part they're leaving Paul out. Paul said that you know, God, you know, we we have grace. So should we send more so that grace can abound? And he says, you know, 
you know, God forbid. But there, because there were people who were saying that. That's right. Back, That's right. Back in the day. I right. like I like that Kanye brought up this two hundred thousand dollars, uh, two hundred thousand people dying from COVID because that seems to be one of the major talking points these yeah. days. I wish someone would ask Joe Biden the way you talk. It sounds as if you're saying that if you were president, we'd have zero deaths. Is that right, yeah. Mr. Biden? Is that right? It really gets under my skin when they keep talking about that 200,000 number. Well, since he's been a big supporter of abortion. Yeah. Of, of right a thousand choose, a day, that's 365,000 in a year, is that not? Yeah. Uh-huh. And they take, want to talk about 200,000. That's just black abortions. Exactly. That's just exactly. black abortions. Murders. Right. Murders. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, abortion sounds so so anti, antiseptic. Yeah, sort of antiseptic. Yeah, absolutely. But the abortion right. culture. You know what? We're out of time this hour. Oh, we're no. Out of time. we got about 60 seconds. Can't even talk about Bible why there's guys, no flu. Are, are they arriving? As we speak, they are arriving. And I've got a bunch of questions for them. Boy, they came in. Big and heavy yesterday. Lots of questions for them, and uh, I'll ask them the questions. They'll have the answers for you when we come back. You could even call. And then at six o'clock tonight, you got to listen in again because guess who? Elizabeth will be back. All right. With that, let's go out with Mac Davis. News is next See. here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Girl, you're a hot-blooded woman child And it's warm where you're touching me But I can tell by your trembling smile Stoplight, he can't be bothered by the heart cry written on the cardboard in her hands. Oh, but when she looks him in the eye, his heart is broken open wide, and he feels the hand of God reach out through him as heaven touches her. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. Bible guys are here. Pastor Scott's here along Pastor Billy and Pastor Steve. Everybody is in the studio today. And we are maskless. <laughs> I just, just want to let you know. I believe in my God. He's all powerful. Amen. I'm not worried about it. So anyway, guys, it's good to have you here. Pastor, I, I didn't get it in last week. Let's do it now. Uh, Sunday service will be at what time? 
Uh, we have service at uh, 9 o'clock and at 1030 701 Napa Valley Drive. All right. So keep that in mind. Have they opened up the prison back to you yet, Billy? Negative. Negative. Uh, matter of fact, they have had uh, a rash of deaths throughout the system here in the last few weeks. So I, I suspect it's still months, months away yeah. from being able to get back in. Well, yeah. somebody got shanked and they said it was COVID-19? No, unfortunately, it took a while. Um, it took a while for it to take root. And, and that's the reason they excluded all the volunteers. Yeah. Right. They couldn't bring it in. But when it, I mean, when you're living four feet away from a dozen other guys uh once it makes it in it, it ran through uh, all the prison systems pretty hard so okay all right what's going on with you steve i know that you know you work for the air force yeah you teach people how to fly those 130 load war them. horses out there yeah load them not fly them how many years now has this is an anniversary for the c-130 isn't it uh 55 i think is when it was first built wow yeah uh, that plane well, the, has just uh, done an amazing job. Well, the in the base was they had an anniversary for the base, right? That's what that was okay. last month. That was fifty five years as well. Wow! But the one thirty's not been out there the whole time. One thirty didn't come out there until the mid seventies, I think. I was watching TCM this last week, uh, Monday, and they were playing all the classic car movies. They showed you know the Mummy with christopher lee and dracula with christopher lee which i like those better than bella lugosi and and karloff but anyway uh one of the movies they show was uh, the thing mm. from, <laughs> from outer space where james arness played the monster and uh, he was like a, a big carrot so to speak because he was it was life a life form using the cellular of a, of a plant and uh it was so funny watching that because they had the the big uh, was a D forty sevens that they were using back then. I was looking. I said, looked at my wife and I said, C one thirty coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they could have used it while they were fighting the monster. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying it was great. Uh, it's great. Wa- I love watching. They've movies got one of those out there on the base on display. They got a they got a forty seven yeah. in there. Yeah. Where's it at? I know uh, they had the C one thirty out front. Yeah, but it well, it's uh, you. I don't know, about a half a mile after you get in off to the left. Really? I need yeah. to are get those, out there and check it out. Are those um, cargo planes? Or they yes. Uh, are they? Yep. Yeah. yeah, D-47 kept Berlin alive. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. You know, with the Berlin Airlines. Is that bigger than the... Uh, no, it's, no, it's smaller. It doesn't have a rear door. It has a side door in the back. Yeah. Two, they throw the stuff. Prop. When you see the movies and yeah. you're seeing the people jump out of the plane on the on the side, yeah. Yeah. those aren't C-130s. Yeah. Right. C-130s, you just hook up. And you walk out the back. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, there was also a guy um, called the uh, Candy Bomber. I don't know if you remember hearing about him or not. No. And he was doing, during the Berlin airlift, and one of the things he would do is fly over certain parts of the town, and then he would just drop big bundles of candy out to the kids because none of that stuff was in those supplies. Right. Are you are you familiar with Christmas dropout in the Marianas Islands? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. took part in that. Five years. Oh yeah, yeah. I flew yeah, they still, out there. They still do that every year. I know they do. Yeah, yeah we we would have uh, we had a radio station on uh, Anderson at t- that time. They don't now, but we used to broadcast uh, for seventy two hours straight just for that, and people would donate money, and we would drop supplies out on Saipan and all the islands around uh, 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 Guam. You know, things like fishing hooks and fishing line and things of that nature. And candy was one of the big things that were always dropped as well. 
So, yeah, it was fun. I love How do you keep hitting someone on the head with this? <laughs> they, <laughs> they know to get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take a rocket science. To, you see yeah. something coming down that fast, even yeah. with a parachute, yeah. that you don't want to be under it when it hits. Yeah. Oh, so you have chutes on them. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm no, just, you didn't I'm just, just seeing this. I'm just seeing these bags of right, no, stuff. No. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready Cans for you to say. Catch. Oh, I swear to God, I thought that turkeys could fly. <laughs> turkeys could fly. <laughs> WKRP in Cincinnati. Less Nesmith. That was such a great. That was such a great. Great Thank show. you for tuning in for your super spiritual moment this yep. morning. Okay. <laughs> it's the truth, isn't it? All right, you guys ready? Let's do Let's it. Let's do some some questions. Dear Bible guys, I would like to ask about the idea of atonement and redemption. We kind of talked about this last week. Is this thought a part of Jewish life like it is in Christianity? So much of Christian thought revolves around this idea, but what about the Jews? Also, have you guys seen the video about people reading Isaiah 53 for the first time? It's amazing. What is so surprising is that most of the people... Uh, act like they have never seen it before. What's up with that? So let's just start with the first one. Atonement and redemption. Uh, that's Those are two big things that we talk about here in Christianity. Do, do the Jews talk about it as well? Um, okay, I'll start. Um, well, if we go back to the beginning, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, one of the reasons why the temple existed uh, was to, um, to offer the sacrifices for um, uh, redemption or for atonement for the covering of sin, the, the, the feast, uh, or the, it's not really a feast, but it's a, a holiday, Yom Kippur. Um, you know, it's, a, it's Yom means day and Kippur means covering. And so it was a day of covering um, sin. So um, it was it was part and parcel of uh, not only Jewish life, but it was part and parcel of, uh, of the Torah. So long before there was even a, a temple. So you go back to the tabernacle time and and uh, when God even spoke to Moses on the mountain. So it's, it is a it's a part of the psyche. Now that's waned now um, because of the loss of the temple and modern Judaism replaces um, atonement acts with uh, charity giving and so forth. I'll bail out here and let Steve pick it yeah, up. Yeah, that's the main thing is they don't, when we've in, in Christian Christianity is primarily dealing with all we talk about is salvation. Everything is about eternity and salvation, salvation, right, salvation. Right. Theirs is not so much. They really kind of say that how we deal with sin today because of the loss of the temple uh, is through the prayers, the morning and evening prayers, uh, praying with the family around the table, and then, as Pastor Scott said, doing good deeds. Those good deeds basically atone for the bad deeds. And that's basically them. And then ultimately, they say Messiah um, will take care of all that when he comes, not when he comes back. Uh, and they they also they they keep it connected to Yom Kippur because they still say a bunch of prayers that are about uh, trusting in God's uh, forgiveness and restoration and then asking and then confessing all of their sins and that kind of stuff. But they don't, they don't do it or believe it as much as we do today as with blood and as they did back in temple and tabernacle times. Yeah. Well, we believe there's been one sacrifice that Correct. covers it all. Right. And they think that since this, the temple's not there and they can't sacrifice now, there's no blood atonement. Well, here's a, a really interesting story. And it's one of the dozens of things you could probably talk about is how is it not seen and there's a story in uh, a book called the mishnah which is part of their writings that tells that um during yom kippur they would take the two goats um 
one was the scapegoat and the other one was the offering. The scapegoat would be let out into the wilderness. They would confess their sins over it and they would take it out in the wilderness and just leave it. Let be. it go. Yeah. And then they would tie the red cloth that was around its head. They would tie it around its head and then they took another part of it and tied it on the door of the uh, temple. And then whenever that thing went out into the wilderness um, and they said when God received that offering, then the one in the temple would turn white. And in their books, sometime around 30, that thing stopped turning white and never turned white again. And then the temple was destroyed. Really? It's recorded in their books, historical books. And you go, what happened, I don't know, (laughs) around 30 that would cause God to no longer receive those sacrifices because there was a sacrifice. Because there's a guy by the name of Jesus right. in like 30. <laughs> right, right, right. And so they, uh, so anyway, they, it was not received as the way it was before anyway. Interesting, of, yeah. interesting. Billy, anything to add? I'm well covered. All right. Let me just go, let me throw one more thing in here. Okay. Um, there is a, there's a group of, of Jewish people, this would be the, uh, the ultra-Orthodox people, um, that... Um, even though there is the offering of prayers uh, and and uh, charity to kind of as a way of replacement theology in a way replacing that the scripture does say without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. That's right. So what they do is they will. And you guys might have to help me on this if I remember correctly. They there's ultra orthodox group. What they do is they actually take a chicken and they'll actually um, I don't know if they slit its throat or what they do and they and they and they swing, swing it, it around mm-hmm. their head. To cause blood to to go everywhere. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that says sacrificing a chicken, you right. know, on the day of atonement. But there's still there's still a belief uh, among a lot of people that they know there needs to be blood, and but there can't be blood with their current setup. So they have a conundrum there. And one of the ways they deal with this is they uh, is they bring a chicken into it and it, they sling some blood. Is that and the uh, Samaritans in the north still oh, offer, yeah. on Passover still offer lambs? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Very small, very minority group. Has Peter heard about this? No. <laughs> you know, it's one of the things that were promised, though, is that there will always be a remnant, right? There will always be a, a tiny portion out there somewhere who is doing their best to do things in the way they've always been done. All right. We've got to get a break in. First break. When we come back, Isaiah 53 and this video, we'll talk a little bit about that. And, uh, of course, I like what he says at the end. What is so surprising is most of the people act like they have never seen it before. What's up with that? I could ask that about a lot of Christians. <laughs> I'm just saying, what's up with that? All right, let's take a break. We got more coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. <clears throat> Don't forget about PI Roofing. They'll take good care of your roof. If you've got a problem, if you know you've got a leak, get it fixed. Let me give you the anatomy of a leak. A leak gets uh, The water gets through your shingles. It gets through the felt. It gets through the wood. After it gets through the wood, it gets into your attic, uh, goes through your uh, insulation, then gets to the drywall, and it will start destroying the drywall, get between the drywall and the, you know the, the walls themselves, cause mold, all kinds of stuff, and you don't want that to happen. So call the people who do the best job, I believe, in uh, taking care of that. It's the people I call at 707-3551, 707-3551, and that's P.I. Roofing. Look, you don't even, you go to work for Joel Johnson, the owner of P.I. Roofing, he tests you to make sure that you know how to put a shingle on right and the flashing on right. He's got a a, a, a full roof in the back of his uh, facility that they put people on and have them do the job. And if they can't do the job, they don't get a job. 
just the way that it works for uh, PI Roofing. Again, 707-3554. Get the best job you can when you need your roof worked on, or just go to piroofing.com. Bible guys are here. Scott Stewart, pastor over at Agape Church, is here. Steve uh, Hess is here. Uh, Steve works out at the Air Force Base, but he also works with the uh, the school at Agape. And give them the address. AmericanInstitute.org. All right. And you can either get a degree mm-hmm. or you can just take the courses and uh, learn. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pretty good deal to be able to learn. It don't hardly cost you anything. 50 bucks a class. Yeah. And bottom line, we got Billy here. And Billy uh, works out at the... Uh, tucker unit if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. the max mm-hmm. when they'll when they let him in when they'll let me in. yeah so hopefully that that'll happen again uh, they've got plenty of reason not to let him in other than covid All yeah right. well last well, yeah. time they just threatened to keep me so. a lot of people a lot of people get born again <laughs> yes. okay okay so let's talk about this isaiah 53 video people have been seen and uh jewish people who as you were telling me scott not even didn't even know Isaiah fifty three exists. Yeah. Explain that. Yeah. Give us the story. Well, um, yeah. So this uh, this video uh, is uh, basically it's just it's Israelis walking up to other Israelis and asking them to read um, this this chapter. Uh, and um, this chapter is from uh, Isaiah fifty three, and they're all stunned at the chapter. Uh, and the reason they're stunned is because this particular book was taken out of uh, the reading cycle of the synagogues. And I believe it was taken out back around the uh, 11 or 1200s. Um, and uh, this because this chapter speaks so so mightily of, uh, of the experience of Jesus. Um, and so many Jewish people were finding Messiah through this that uh, I believe it was Rashi. He was one of the great, one of the great uh, rabbis. He had it removed from the, uh, the cycle of reading. Now, as Christians, uh, we call that the suffering servant. Right, right. It's the story of the suffering servant. And many Jewish people, when they see it, uh, their reaction is, or when they're asked, why don't you pick it up, yeah, they, um And also, they changed it from, they, the Jewish people yeah. still look at it as a suffering servant. They'll just tell you that servant's Israel, as right. Jewish people, instead of, even though beforehand it was considered to be the suffering Messiah chapter. And there's, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there are things like where it says, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Um, they said that he was despised and we did not esteem him, um, that the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Uh, that you will make a soul, make his soul an offering for sin, and that he bore the sins of many. By his stripes were healed. By his stripes were healed. All of those things, and they, when you read the whole thing, you see that this this whole thing is somebody that's bearing um, the sins of Israel, and and you can't come up with the idea that this is Israel because you can't bear your own sins. So they just take that and they just walk through the town and they just ask people to read it. And those who are unfamiliar with it, they say they sound this sounds like a good man or a righteous man, and and they'll say, well, who do you think it's speaking about? And they say, well, they don't know, and then they'll start talking about Yeshua. Or if they're familiar with it, or they're familiar with the story of uh, of Yeshua of Jesus, then they'll go, well, that sounds like the Christian God, and they're like, and they're, then that's when they go, it's from Isaiah fifty three, and that's when they just get flabbergasted, you know, that this could possibly be a prophetic reference that seems to be fulfilled to a T of what happened to Jesus. So when you buy a Jewish Bible, or, I mean, I guess that's what the terminology, yeah. it's their Bible, uh, it doesn't have Isaiah 52? No, no, no it's it, there. it does. Oh, but it does? They have, a, they have a 52 readings a year that they go through, um, it's called the, the portions, the parshas, uh, where they go through the books of Moses, and then they have something called the haftars. And those are from the prophets. 
And the ones that were Isaiah 53 is not mentioned in any of those times. So it's not in their readings. And if you're not in, um, if you're not just a regular student of what the Hebrew Bible is referred to as the Tanakh, if you're not a regular student of that, you're never going to come across Isaiah 53. The rabbis don't talk about it. It's not in the reading cycle. It's very much like um, being raised as a Baptist. Uh, There were certain chapters we avoided, the ones who dealt with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. We just didn't read those. And so then the day when someone actually read it to me, I was like, I've never seen that before. Right. And it's the same. It's, we, we do exactly the same thing in Christianity that the traditional Jews are yeah, doing with this. Yeah, we just don't this. formalize it. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> they formalize yeah. everything. Yeah, right. right. Just uh, but it's the same type of idea there. And they hide it from them. But it's, it's definitely still in the Bible. They haven't removed that. But they just don't What's funny expose them to it. In the Christian church, you know, it, it, you'll hear them read some of those verses but they read like the end of a commercial that you hear on radio <laughs> how fast can we get through yeah. right. Always they, say, they say i'm really fast <laughs> hope that you don't that? pay attention to it all right i'm wondering bible guys if you might be able to answer this question on the dave Ellswick show what do you guys think about the 10 lost tribes of israel could they possibly be the nations of europe as some have suggested that would imply the United States as well as seeing how most Americans are descended from Europeans. We got two minutes. Oh. <laughs> I'll let Billy yeah. answer that yeah, one. Go ahead, Billy. Uh, yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the, the lost tribes are lost. Right? Right. They, they have been scattered. And, um, you know, but between marrying into other families and i mean once you're scattered you're you're kind of a lost people so yes i'm sure they're everywhere i'm sure they're they're in europe i'm sure they're in the u.s whether or not you and i as individuals can go around and go that's one that's one that's that's not going to happen we just can't do that but god certainly knows who's who the extreme version of that belief is no and the extreme version of that is all of europe and consequently all of america are all jewish that we are the lost tribes and they'll cite certain things uh, and cite certain names of towns, like, or they'll use you know, like British people for uh, an example, and they'll say British, which is covenant man, men of the covenant, I think is how they would try and say that, which is not what it means. But they're, um, they try and put that connection in there. And we, the tribes went north into Assyria and into the west after they were the, those ten lost. But also what they failed to see is in another part of Kings, they all came back, many came back to Judah. And just went back, and that's why they're primarily Jews now. But then, as Billy said, most are just lost. They are never to be found. Only God knows who they are. But yes, did some of them scatter into the different parts of Europe? But did they form a specific nation? Are the the tribes of the Danish actually Dan? No, that's not that extreme version of that is is not true. And I think a part of this uh, question probably um, comes from when when the tribes started coming back to. Israel after the Second World War, where did most of them come from? Europe. That came from Europe. Yep. Yeah. So most people are thinking then, well, then they're probably all throughout Europe. All right. We got to get a break in. We got Rush coming your way. And then after Rush, we'll be back to answer more questions with the Bible guys. Don't forget, set your clocks back this weekend. Oh, yeah. Set your clocks back. And don't forget, when you set your clocks back, that means Christmas is not that far away. Mm. All right. I'm looking at Heidi. She's over there dancing. You like Christmas, huh, Heidi? I like Christmas, too. You come to my house, my house transforms itself at Christmas time. It's great. But uh, you want to transform uh, a piece of jewelry? Maybe you got, uh, you know, rings that uh, 
your mother gave you or your grandmother gave you and you can get them you know melted down and fashioned into something unique for yourself or for somebody else take it over to hillcrest designer jewelry and let eric coleman take care of that for you he's got a, a, a computer that he can sit down with you and design your jewelry make a wax uh relief out of it and you can hold it in your hand and see it what it would look like in you know in 3d uh also when it comes to diamonds the man knows diamonds he'll tell you you think you're going to save money by buying a diamond on the internet what you'll probably do is buy a piece of glass out of china Mm. and you'll pay thousands of dollars and it's not even worth you know the money that it's made out of the glass it's made out of and and the chinese are get have gotten really good at it now it used to be you know they get it and put the diamond under a microscope and look and there was a, a listing of numbers that identified uh, the diamond well they've figured that one out too and they can put the diamonds on those fake diamonds as well so uh just letting you know go talk to eric and he'll help you out he's got a ton of diamonds basically um, I, I hate talking like this because I know there's criminals that listen to this show too. Uh, you know, he's just got the diamonds in in cases that he can show them to you, and uh, he'll save you hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. I will say this: that if you buy a uh, a ring set, uh, engagement set, wedding ring set, he will save you thousands, not hundreds, but thousands. So go see him. 3,000 Cavanaugh, right here in Little Rock. 3,000 Cavanaugh in Little Rock. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, the last part of that question that we had when we left, talking about uh, the the 10 Lost Tribes. I'm wondering if I might get your opinion on so many people who say, the Lord told me this. I, I I know we're supposed to be able to hear the Holy Spirit but it seems like people use this term very loosely. <laughs> Thoughts? Yeah, um, very. It's they need to be, remember to be very reverent with that phrase. A lot of people um, will think that taking the Lord's name is when they hear somebody, you know, say "G damn it" or something like that, right? And though that is um, the context of what is given, is you're misusing God's name. And so if you run around and are saying, God said, God said, God said, and God didn't say, you're actually violating that commandment and you're misusing God's name. So we have to be cautious with it and we need to be fearfully using that that way because I believe he does still speak to people and we see evidences of that throughout the New Testament. I think it was when Philip went to go speak to the uh, the eunuch from Ethiopia and it says, I believe it says that the Lord told him to go. Mm-hmm. And so we see that, and then Paul says that sometimes. And then another point, Paul says, well, whether this is of the Lord, I, I am not sure. So there, there's a time where there's this wrestling, uh, and but then there's these other times. And the only way you can be sure is by spending time in prayer, and then God will confirm if God tells you to go do something, and it'll be confirmed. And then you'll know how to connect that voice because it was confirmed, and there was no other way that could have happened except it be God. So, yes, he still speaks, but I think that I jokingly say sometimes I think that Isaiah is in heaven and he's going, wow, I didn't hear you that clearly, right. you know, with some the way these people just kind of run around, you know, it's just it's some some aspects of it. It's over the top. All right. Next question. Bible guys, the scriptures tell us in Matthew twenty four thirty seven, 
that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be with the son of when the son of man returns. How do you interpret that verse? And do you think we are living in that type of world today? Read verse 38. Because verse 38 kind of gives you the never try to interpret scripture if scripture interprets scripture. And in this case, um, 38 expounds upon that and says, um, you know, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And so what is it describing there? It's describing normal life. They were just going about their business um, every and there are other ways to interpret that. But I I think that is uh, at a surface level. That is the, the easiest explanation is simply to say, hey, look. They were just living their lives thinking everything was going to continue as it always had been. And if the question is, is that the world we're living in today? Absolutely. We are living in a world um, where everyone's just like, well, it'll, I mean, 2020 is the perfect example. If, if any um, year that we've lived through should have woken us up to what's going on, this should have been the year. And yet uh, everybody's like, well, it'll be better in 2021 and life will go back to normal. And, mm-hmm. and perhaps God's not looking for us to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Perhaps God's looking for us to draw closer and go, hey, Lord, why is all of this happening? Yeah. yeah and I would just go ahead and add in there. And he's, uh, Billy's right. It does show just life going on. I think also it shows that people are, uh, that life that you see is very much them-centered. You know, right. it's they're, they're drinking, they're eating, they're making merry, uh, they're marrying, they're being given in marriage. Uh, in other words, it's almost like they're not even keeping God in their consciousness. Uh, and that's the way it was in the days of Noah. I mean, it was really a remnant of people that were saved out of the, the masses that were on the planet. And I think that... Uh, that could reflect um, the apathy of the time, the uh, the lukewarmness of the people, the lack of hunger, the lack of thirst for the things of God. Uh, and I would agree with Billy. Yeah, that pretty much describes the day that we're in. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure if you asked any other generation, they would mm-hmm. say exactly the same thing. Um, so um, um, uh, could that be applied to our day? Um, absolutely it could. Yeah, I think also there's the idea that people were completely unaware that, that uh, this could even happen. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they uh, and also it was a time where Noah was saying wild things. No one had ever seen it rain before. It had never right. rained. Water never, just came. water never fell from it, the sky. So you know the the man of God is saying stuff that the world is looking at. I'm like, He's crazy. you people are crazy. <laughs> yeah, are you building a boat in the middle? I mean, right. so I think there was a lot of spiritual stuff happening that the world was completely looking at him and ridiculing and making fun of. So yeah, it's certainly I think it could be. An, easy mirror of what's happening today yeah and it wasn't ridicule for just like a week no right. no right. yeah it no. was years, years. Uh, yeah how, how long did it take him to build the ark was 100 I think it's 120 120 Total. years to build that thing i mean this this is well, a lot of ridicule actually it's a little bit different there's one rabbinic thing says that it sat for 100 years okay that it was completed it didn't take that long to build yeah. it but it was actually completed and that it sat for that long as a witness as a warning to say it's coming you better repent yeah, what we know is that it's uh, 120 years from the time the commandment the goes commandment to came. build the ark Correct. until the rain, but whether or not he was actively building during that 100, 120 years, whether that was a shorter period and then a, a witness sitting there, which is the, the tradition, 20 years to build, 100-year witness sitting there, uh, Scripture doesn't That's even more to. powerful to me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think about it, it was sitting there for like a, it took him 20 years to really build it, but it sat there for 100 years yeah. of just sitting, waiting over you telling you are you taking care of preparing for this and can you imagine that the, the moment where you know you're on your front porch you're rocking and you're you're talking about when 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 you look up one day and you see this 
herd of elephants walking towards you and then all of a sudden you see giraffes behind them you're like what and they're just coming from all over and you realize this is it i got two things one will be funny (laughs) it would be funny it's it's funny to me but the other part is as billy said you got to go back to the context right so as soon as they say hey it's going to be like the days of noah then it flows right into two men will be in the field one will be taken one will be left and so it kind of tells you that it's letting you know that hey they weren't ready back in that day, and they're not going to be ready when I come back. Right. Now, some people will take it a little bit further and say because the earth was filled with violence, and so then the world will be in violence in that time. And then they'll take it even further, saying that the reason that God destroyed the earth was because of Nephilim, so there'll be Nephilim in our day. So it's it dep- you can go too far, but I think on the surface is what they said is just, hey. And no, gonna I'm be not popular. going to let them start talking about the Nephilim. No, <laughs> no but I will, say, I will say there's an important concept here, and, and Steve just pointed it out. You know, someday Noah looked up, and here come a pair of elephants and a yeah. pair of giraffe. And it's not like these animals snuck onto the ark at night. Mm-hmm. They were a – so not only did Noah take the time to build this ark, but then at some point, here comes a witness from nature itself mm-hmm. going, hey, things are changing. And yet they kept on eating and drinking, marrying and being, and just going about their life. Um, yeah, because the townspeople people had to have seen these animals right. coming. God gave yeah. them every opportunity. Uh, it gave them 100 years, 120 years, gave them the, the witness of, of, of a man speaking, then gave them the witness of nature responding, and they still went, eh, whatever. Um, and kind of we find ourselves in a generation that is, eh. Right. Whatever, it's uh, nothing has changed since the fathers went to sleep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. Good stuff. Great teaching. Uh, in Mark 14, 51 through 52, Mark mentions that a young man was following Jesus with nothing but a linen cloth. He was seized and left the linen cloth and fled naked. What's the significance of including this in the description of Jesus' arrest? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we never really heard the answer on that. My old teacher said it was Mark, uh, and he just didn't use his name because <laughs> he didn't want people to know that it was him. Yeah. I, the, only, the, the only thing to me that, that I could think that would explain wh- why something like that would happen. Now, the, the question of why it's there is, I think, a, a bigger question. But one thing that could explain why it happened is, and most people don't realize this, but baptism is not um a christian thing it became christian but you know john the baptist was baptizing before there was a church um baptism is something that is done all the was a part of the jewish faith uh, all around the temple mount uh there are little baptistries everywhere they're called mikvah or mikvot if you're talking about plural things but what most people don't realize is that um jewish people immerse themselves naked right so they go down I mean, we go down with, you know, like clothes on, but they, they would they would go down completely naked. Uh, and then when they would come out, they would wrap them in typically a, uh, a sheet of some sort. So this guy probably had just come out of the mikvah, saw a garrison of guards dragging Jesus off, and he ran from the mikvah straight up there to see what was going. Maybe even recognized Jesus, ran up there, and then someone said, hey, you, and grabbed the sheet, pulled it, and he ran off naked. I think that's probably, yeah. for me, that's the best explanation. Yeah. But why it's there in the story I don't know the why yet. I think that's maybe what happened. Though anybody have another thought to that? I, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't go with the why. I mean, yeah. there's not always <laughs> a super spiritual meet reason behind something. Sometimes it could have been just that, recording. What it's happened. just recorded what happened. So it wasn't it's a history. Was a, yeah. yeah, it's just a historical thing. And then it might have been that Mark or whoever was the writer of this was the one yeah. 
that was witness to this, and he just didn't want people to yeah, know. Or was the one that was right. like, you know, it, it, so it would stick out for you, right? I mean, it, <laughs> as, as a witness there, yeah. I might have forgotten about it because Jesus is the center of the picture there, right? But if I've had the... If I've literally had the covering ripped off of me and had to flee through the streets naked, <laughs> right. that might be something I would at least mention <laughs> right. in, in the story that I wrote uh, right. recording the events, right? Like, oh, by the way, I had to run naked for my life. Yeah, so. It's kind of like the equivalent on Facebook when they say asking for a friend. You know, yeah, it just, yeah. it, I got you. And, and right. they, they would have been after uh, – the guards would have been after the any witness yeah. because mm. they were trying to do this under the cover of night. They waited till all of Israel was Jerusalem was asleep. Because if you remember, the, the the Pharisees even said, "If we don't stop this guy, everybody's going to believe in him." So yeah. they did it under the cover of night because they were afraid they didn't want any witnesses. And there's this one guy coming out of the mikvah, and they see he's a witness. So they probably tried to grab him to make sure he didn't run out and tell people what they're doing. And that's when he uh, was disrobed, as it <laughs> were. Right. Final break, and then we'll be back and. Got a great question for Pastor Stewart when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Seven minutes until uh, 8 o'clock, the last seven minutes of my live show today. Be uh, going into uh, another show right after this that is called uh, Financial Issues Live. And uh, I will be on with you again at 6 o'clock this evening, just so you'll know. A question for Dr. Scott Stewart. What inspired you to start researching the Hebrew roots of the Bible? Mm. Um, well, uh, I got seven minutes. I, I can do it in less <laughs> than that. Um, uh, really, uh, shortly, I, I had a supernatural experience. I was, um, I was, you know, I was, I was raised, um, you know, in a Baptist uh, church. I was uh, attending uh, uh, Agape Church as a teenager, spirit-filled congregation. There wasn't anything Hebraic about anything that I was um, doing. Uh, although I was attending um, Bible school and had a professor there named Dr. Ron Mosley who began to say some things that seemed a little bit strange to me. But uh, the long and short of it is um, I had a vision, uh, and that's what changed everything for me. I was attending the University of Arkansas here in Little Rock, and um, one day I was sitting in my office, and I had, for lack of a better word, I would just call it an open vision. My eyes were open. I wasn't asleep, but I was in a different place. And uh, <clears throat> the story goes like this. I was... Um, at a wedding, and I was um, in a crowded, a crowded church. It was like a old Gothic-looking church, stone-built archways, and 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 um, I was a groomsman. So there's a lot of groomsmen, a whole bunch of us. Uh, the place was packed, and um, uh, I never saw the groom, but I knew he was down there. He was a ways down, and um, and the wedding march started. So all the um, everyone stood for the bride. And then very quickly, we all realized that the wedding march had been played, played repeatedly, but the bride wasn't coming. In other words, it felt like the groom was about to be stood up. Uh, and uh, a voice, someone stood behind me. I knew it was the groom. I didn't see him. But he told me, he said, go find out what's keeping her. So I immediately left my place among the groomsmen, and I started running through this church looking. And I opened up a door uh, that turned out to be her um, her room like the bridal makeup room where she was at. And I opened the door, and there she was. She was sitting at a, at, a, at a makeup table, like a vanity, and she turned and she looked at me when I opened the door with a startled look. She turned and she looked at me, and when she did, uh, her face was half made up. It was almost like there was a line going down the middle of her face. Half of her face was completely made up. Her hair was nice enough. Her dress was ready. On the other side, there was no makeup on. Her hair was hanging down. Her dress was hanging off her shoulder. It was like she was half ready. 
the wedding is going on. The march is being played. She's not ready. And um, and the same voice that sent me to find her now is behind me again. And he said, uh, help her get ready. And that was the end of the, end of the vision. And so immediately I began to pray and say, Lord, how, how do I help her get ready? And what do you mean? And he, the Lord, Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he did. Uh, and uh, and he uh, and he said, uh, if you want to understand the vision, I want you to study the Jewish wedding ceremony. Now, that's like someone going, bleep, 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 bleep. I mean, I, I had never heard anybody say anything like that before. I mean, it was a, a brand new thought and I didn't know what to do except to uh, or who to talk to. So I just went to the television, thought Christian TV. So I started flipping through the channels. I came across a guy. He's now passed away now. His name is Zola Levitt. I know who you're talking about. And, and Zola Levitt was on show, and he was talking about a book called The Christian Love Story, and it was about the Jewish wedding ceremony. I've never done this in my I've never done this. I never did this before this or since, but I bought every book he had. I think he had four or five. I bought all those books, and um, and I opened up that book and began to, um, began to read. And from that moment forward, I knew how, what I was supposed to do. So I went back to university, changed my degree track, and went Middle Eastern history, and everything changed from that point. So is the response from Christians the same way, basically, when they start understanding the biblical teachings from the Jewish perspective? Does that help them make this move i mean i've made that move you guys have knew me before you know me now mm-hmm. i think totally different now than i used to mm-hmm. and it's because i i i un- look i makes sense to me if if jesus was a jew right i should kind of figure out what he believed in yep <laughs> i think there are several different ways that people uh, eventually come to this place and in a lot of cases it has to do has to do with how god speaks to you period right uh for me i, I tend to be uh, i hate to use the word cerebral because it sounds so cerebral but i tend to be more cerebral about my studies and therefore god used um some things that didn't line up with my with my understanding at that time versus what the scripture said and went go, you know, you should, you should be looking at how do you get from Friday night to Sunday with three days and three nights? Cause you just can't do it. Um, and, and it was these things where God's going, Hey, go look and see. And, but I know people who are very emotional and therefore God used emotion to get to them. Uh, I know people who are very, um, sensitive to the spiritual things and therefore uses a vision like that. So I think it has to do with us individually. After all, we serve a God who's all about the individual. All right, got to hold my hand up. Time to call it quits. Dr. Stewart, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Steve, thank you. Billy, thank you. If you have a question for these guys, it's BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. You gotta let them know The truth is alive to shine upon the way So maybe they can go Six o'clock hour. Good to have you along with us. Uh, Elizabeth Sotolaro is still with me, and uh, we'll pick up and talk about a few things we talked about early this morning. 
Uh, we have a special guest that's supposed to join us here in the next few moments. Uh, Congresswoman Liz Cheney from Wyoming is supposed to be calling in to talk with us. She's coming in to do some uh, campaigning uh, for Congressman French Hill. And you said you heard about something going on this weekend as far as uh, Congressman Hill is concerned. I think there's going to be a little rally on uh, Saturday afternoon around 2 o'clock, maybe 3 o'clock in uh, Conway at Simon Park. And uh, his special guest will be Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Okay. Well, I'll so. be I'll be uh, asking him about that because we have him on every Wednesday, as you know, at seven o'clock. So we'll I'll talk to him about that and see what he has to say. I uh, see the phones rang and Heidi's on the phone. That tells me probably uh, Congresswoman Congress. Cheney is uh, on the phone. It's going to be fun to talk to her. The we only, got about ten minutes with her. Yeah, the only Congress person from Wyoming. There's only one. I know. I didn't know that. You know, you know, they don't have enough people. In all <laughs> honesty, there's not enough people in Wyoming to legitimately be called a state. They still, really? They should still be. Oh uh, my! Oh, what what is it? Before you're a state, you're territory? A, a territory. Yeah. Really? Yes. I had no idea. Yeah. Now my I mean, my I know. brother lives in Wyoming. He lives in Gillette. So really, yeah, I've oh, okay. been up. I've been up there several Gorgeous times. Country. Gorgeous. I need, I need to get up there and do some pronghorn uh, hunting. And see what uh, what's going on up there. It's it's like uh, never heard deer. of that. It's kind of like deer pronghorn. Yeah, they're pronghorns. They're, Is it an animal? Yes, <laughs> it looks like it. It kind of looks like a deer. Okay, but it has the small horns sticking oh, out of, out of. They the look head. like prongs. You know, as obviously. far as that. Is she on the line with us? Not yet. Oh, they're going to have to call back. Yeah. Is that what happened? Technical trouble. Okay. Again. They call back. So. We'll get it. I'll ask her to explain well, what now, she's in a, She's in a, a re-election uh, campaign well, yeah, herself, is she not? She's got to be. I believe so, yeah. But, but wow. I, evidently, you know, she's, she's coming str- here. big time strongly supported up in Wyoming. And so that's the key. I mean, we just got a bunch of dunderheads around here that really don't know, you know, I can't say that on the air. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't know white from rice. How's that? As far as that's, <laughs> that's a southern you know, saying. There. As far as that's concerned. So uh, uh, you know, I mean, the key to this whole race that uh, Congressman Hill is in is that he has to, as far as I'm concerned, he needs to carry a percentage of uh, Pulaski County. Yeah, but then strongly carry, you know, Faulkner and Celine and those. Faulkner areas. has been a stronghold for a very long time, but I'll tell you that the uh, the uh, other side is they're working hard. They're working really, really hard. hard. And I have not turned on a single social media anything for three weeks without being flooded. Well, you know that opponents. I'm just telling you that uh, Joyce Elliott. She's bought up every bit of media time a, she can she's find. She's gotten a lot of money from the DNC. Yeah, money, and, and it shows in. The types of ads that yes. she's she's running. Yes, Congresswoman Cheney, I understand you're with us. Uh, that's the way I kind of tell that the money is flowing freely into this race, and uh, they think that they have an opportunity to pick up a seat. But they thought that as well with uh, Tucker the last time that uh, French Hill uh, ran for reelection, and 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 the, the congressman did very well. I think he's going to do very well this time as well. But welcome to uh, Arkansas. Well, thanks so much, Dave, for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, really uh, honored to uh, to be able to 
to come campaign for, for my friend and colleague and mentor, French Hill. Looking I, forward to it very much. I, I don't want to burn too much of our time because we don't have a lot. But for Elizabeth Sotolaro, who comes in on, on Tuesdays and co-hosts with me, I want you to explain to her what a pronghorn uh, is. <laughs> I said, is that an animal? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to I spend my time. We could do that off air. Okay, we'll yeah, do that we'll off air. Later. We want to talk about French. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother lives in Gillette. So, yeah, I've been up there a lot in, in Wyoming. It's a great, great state. Exactly. So, you know. The congressman has done a great job of standing up for Republican principles uh, in Congress, has he not? Listen, there is nobody better than than, than French Hill for this. I think, you know, when I look at, um, you know, fundamentally the choice that uh, the people of Arkansas 2nd District are going to have, you know, Joyce Elliott is somebody who is going to come in and immediately vote for Nancy Pelosi for speaker. Um, she's immediately going to be, you know, really one of the foot soldiers in this far left radical um, agenda that the Democrats uh, are attempting to impose on the nation, defunding the police. Uh, you know, she's been endorsed by Planned Parenthood. She's received money from Elizabeth Warren's uh, PAC. I think she might have been the first candidate around the country, any place to receive money from Elizabeth Warren's PAC. Um, those are not the values and the issues and the policies that uh, the people of Arkansas uh, support uh, or that are good for, for the state or for the country. And look, I think that um, when I look at French and what he's done and, and you know, I, I've known him since uh, we were both working in the George Bush 41 administration many years ago. And he is such a leader. Um, you know, when we were sorting out the CARES Act funding um, back when uh, we first began providing some relief at the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, French was an absolute leader for many of us. I know he got on the phone with um, some of the folks that were going to be providing some of the relief in Wyoming. He helped me. He's helped many of our colleagues. Um, He's just somebody that we count on and we rely on for his expertise, for his knowledge of the financial industry and financial sector. Um, He really provides the kind of representation uh, that uh, just, you know, you you cannot uh, overstate how important his contribution is and how strong his representation has been. Well, the thing that I have talked about continually in this race is the, the lie that the Democrats and Joyce Elliott has been perpetuating, and that is our president and our congressmen and senators are all going to get rid of Social Security and and Medicare. And that is just a flat out fabrication. It it is a lie. Yeah, it is. And it's a lie that we watch the Democrats, you know, they basically regurgitate that lie every every election cycle. And, you know, the reality is, um, if you want to talk about what is going to put Social Security and Medicare at risk, it is, you know, things like um, the uh, single payer government controlled health insurance um, that the Democrats are pushing that's going to cost trillions and trillions of dollars, um, that's going to eliminate everybody's insurance, that's going to put a huge, uh, unsustainable burden on our economy, uh, on our debt. Um, You know, that kind of thing is going to potentially, especially in the wake of this pandemic and the economic consequences, um, throw us into a depression. Uh, Every one of their economic policies is going to make 
people much worse off. And, you know, now they're also peddling this idea that they aren't going to raise taxes oh, uh, on on people below $400,000 a year. And that's another one. Just, you know, they're going to have a $4 trillion tax increase, and Joyce Elliott would vote for that. Well, um, this is not the moment that uh, that we ought to be electing more Democrats to the House of Representatives. Yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, Vice President Pence did a great job when he had his debate with Harris and started talking about, you all are talking about getting rid of the Trump tax cut. That tax cut affected every American citizen, and they don't even want to talk about that. No. They, well, they don't, and they don't want to talk about, you know, when you've watched Joe Biden try to manage this, you know, he saying that he's going to completely eliminate or he's going to end uh, the oil industry. No. Uh, and, um, you know, we've, we've watched the, the thing people need to remember is that the House of Representatives, this last cycle, especially last two years, really became sort of the place where a lot of these really, really radical far left ideas uh, got their energy. And it's because of Nancy Pelosi, because of uh, AOC, um, because of Ilan Omar, this really radical group. Um, that have been pushing an agenda of things like the Green New Deal. Um, they've embraced socialism. You know, they've, they've in some instances, enabled anti-Semitism. It, it is a really, um, it's a really dangerous set of policies, and uh, it's really important that we get French Hill uh, reelected so, you know, he can continue to help fight for common-sense policies and, and defend our Constitution, defend life, uh, make sure that, you know, we're defending our law enforcement, uh, not working to defund the police and, and uh, you know, continuing to do what's right every day for the people of Arkansas 2nd District. Yeah, our special guest right now is Congresswoman Liz Cheney from uh, Wyoming. And uh, Congresswoman, real quickly, where are you going to be appearing with uh, uh, Congressman Hill? Uh, we've got a, a great schedule of events that they're they're still putting together Um uh, in and around Little Rock, uh, I think we're doing an Arkansas Republican Women's Event and then uh, Military Roundtable and, and some other things. Um, I serve on the Armed Services Committee, and so, of course, making sure that we're doing everything we can for military families, for our veterans, for those who are currently serving um, is also something that's a real priority. So um, that we're working on putting the schedule together, but I know we've got uh, three or four events that uh, I'm going to be uh, uh, very, uh, very happy to be there with French, and I think that we're also going to be honored to be joined by uh, uh, Senator John Bozeman. And, oh, uh, fantastic! He's a good, good friend, and and also uh, somebody who's uh, just been tremendous for the people of Arkansas. So, looking forward to that very much. All right, got one last question, and I'll let you run. And that is, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what you think about that new member of the Supreme Court. I just am so, so proud. Um, you know, I, I'm a mother of five, and watching uh, a mother of seven, um, I was really moved, you know, when I when I watched uh, the day that she was flying to the White House for her announcement, when I watched the video of her coming out of her front door uh, with all those kids, and then, you know, sort of herding everybody into a minivan. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, moms all across this country have done exactly that. Um, now, of course, she was getting ready to go be announced as a nominee to the United States Supreme Court, and it just made made me very proud. Um, and then the way that she had, you know, just conducted herself in her hearings and oh, her very clear, calm, uh, competent, 
complete dedication to the rule of law and the Constitution. Um, I just I, I'm really uh, very proud that she is going to be on the court, and uh, and I know she'll do a great job. Well, she did a fantastic job, and and her her teaching experience showed that she she really did teach some of those senators a little bit about the Constitution when she was having her confirmation hearings. Yeah, she did. Exactly. That's <laughs> it right. Great. Now, I, I just have to say, though, Dave, once you get done talking to Joyce about uh, antelope, don't forget to tell her about the jackalope. Oh, yeah. I'll tell her about the jackalope. I'll, I'll do that. See, I know all oh, no. about that. By the way, how is the coal industry doing in, in Wyoming? I know that we, it's hard to sell it here in the United States, but I'm I'm assuming that China and India are buying a lot of Wyoming coal. Are they not? Well, we, you know, it, it is a very tough time. And um, with, you know, at the beginning of the President Trump's administration, we were able to reverse some of the really horrible policies the Obama years. Good. Um, we're now, we, we are fighting, we do export, but we've got, um, you know, battles underway because some of the states on the West Coast uh, will not allow us to uh, use their terminals to export our coal. And so it's it's a case that's actually going to the Supreme Court because obvious interstate commerce clause issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but uh, you know, we've got in Gillette, uh, uh, the cleanest coal in the whole world is produced there in the Powder River Basin, yep. and um, it's it's you know hugely important for us to have that that low cost, sustainable source of electricity for the nation. So, um, you know, whether you're talking about coal, oil, natural gas, all of those things are just fundamentally important. Uh, you know, for our national security, uh, for the power of the country, uh, for people to make sure that they can afford the gasoline that's going into their cars. I mean, it's uh, the idea that you're going to end fossil fuels is really dangerous and uh, something we've got to make sure we're we're continuing to, to fight against those kinds of policies. Congresswoman, let's get you on in the future. You and I will sit about, talk about those uh, trains pulling all of those cars of black gold that are out there in, uh, exactly. in Wyoming. I appreciate your time. Thanks for thinking of us and being part of the Dave Ellswick Show today. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. On Congresswoman Liz uh, Cheney here to campaign. to uh, campaign for uh, French Hill. French Hill. You know, he brought a, I think, unique uh, perspective when he went to Congress because of his very banking. deep uh, you know, understanding of the banking industry. And I think that's something. They had some other folks with different interests, but he brought a lot. All right, got to get a break in. Let's do that. Our thanks to the Congresswoman for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's continue the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, we got news coming up at the bottom of the hour. Hope you heard the last segment. Uh, we uh, had uh, Congresswoman Liz Cheney on from Wyoming. And interesting, as I was sitting here talking before we had her on, Liz looked at her, not Liz, but uh, pardon me, Elizabeth looked at me and said, you know that she's the only uh, representative from Wyoming, and that's because of the population of Wyoming. I forget how many people are in Wyoming. It's like four hundred thousand or something like that. And uh, in fact, uh, the Congress uh, passed uh, some legislation back in the day when Wyoming was made a state, so they could become a state because you, you you were supposed to have X amount of people in your state before you could be considered for statehood before that you were a territory and uh, so they would still be a territory today if they didn't do that i'm sure that they did that for 
Montana as well. Because I think there's fewer people in Montana than there are in Wyoming. What do you the, got for the us? The population in 2020 of yeah. Wyoming was 567,025. Okay, so That's not a, little, a lot of people. They've for gotten a, big a little state. bigger. Yeah, they've yeah, That's a little, not much for the size well, of the state. How many square miles is Wyoming, I does it say? I don't know. Tenth yeah. largest in terms of surface area among the states. How about that? And the lowest recorded population. There you go. The second most sparsely populated okay. I, re- I really didn't realize what's that. The, what's the number one most sparsely populated is it montana mm, don't know or it maybe is. it's idaho i don't know one or oh, the wait, other let's see oh you know alaska oh less alaska. dense yeah less dense. yeah i mean the kilters have all that land no i'm just kidding i, mean, I love that they only show. have three electoral votes and one congressperson in wyoming your factoid of the day there you go didn't know that just know that all right but she's here to uh and yes and she's in a re-election you know yeah. campaign of her own she, so she's she is the daughter of dick cheney absolutely Just so you'll know all right the uh the monster to the left <laughs> <laughs> my man i like he was my man i'm just telling you big i'm a big fan what, of what dick where cheney. is he these days where is her dad what is he doing? i don't know i haven't i, I haven't, haven't heard, heard about that him much while. about him uh, he's probably out looking for some pronghorn, knowing, <laughs> knowing he lo- oh, he loves to hunt. He does. He I used to come that down here because we're the fl- we're you know we're right here in the flyway. And one of the big stories during the Bush administration is when he shot somebody uh-huh. while they were out duck hunting. <laughs> Whoops! And here's the key about that. I want you to know it was the other person's fault. When yes. you go out and you're hunting, like I think they were pheasant hunting. In fact or quail hunting, one or the other, uh, when they're, you're walking in a field, if you're on the wings, you do not let yourself get in front of the shooters in the middle. And this guy did. And, okay. uh, he, of course, you hear the, the, the bust of wings, and you swing, and you may shoot. And that's what happened uh, uh, with the vice president at the time. And this guy was standing where he shouldn't have been standing at. And when you're when you're out doing, you know, pheasant or or uh, quail hunting, you don't wait. You know, if you wait, they're gone. They're <laughs> so pretty is fast. Everybody little, out of the way. Okay. They're fast little birds. <laughs> all right. And quail and and they and quail for the most part, when they burst up, they go up high, but then they come immediately low again. And you better you better be quick on the trigger. I'm just telling you a little bit of quail hunting experience for me. I did quail hunting up in North Dakota when I lived up there, and I've done uh, uh, quail hunting here in in Arkansas. I've gone to a couple of the farms where they have quail and done some quail hunting, and pretty good at it. Give me a you give me a um, semi-automatic twelve gauge and with some bird shot, and I can do some damage with those birds. And oh, they're so yeah. good. Uh, okay. Wild man Steve Wilson told, took me on a uh, a quail uh, cook. Uh, out uh, out in damascus uh, a few years ago and i'm just telling you i ate my weight and that means i ate a lot of quail all right they're little birds but boy they are good cooked a bunch of different ways <sighs> they were good they were oh they were just so good it was excellent quail and you know baked potatoes and salad it was good I'm just <laughs> telling you it was it was wonderful as far as that are you telling me I need to hurry up? 
<laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at at Heidi, and it's like move her on. Eyes Dave. are rolling up yeah, in her she's head. Saying, move it's on. Time to go. We don't need to talk about <laughs> quail hunting anymore. I I got her. I understand what she's saying. Uh, if you missed it last night, uh, we have a new member of the U.S. Supreme Court. Yes. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Let's get a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we'll continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show now, and. Uh, of course, Elizabeth Sotolaro is with me right now and being part of the show. And uh, I wanted to talk about how the left has responded to last night's vote. Uh, it was, what, 52-48, I think I is what so. it was. Ms. Collins could not bring herself to vote with well, the Republicans. Well, she's, she's doing it because she's fighting for her political life right now. Bull. It's in Maine, isn't Bull. it? Bull. That's where she's at on it because you know i mean you got to do what's right and yes it's important to be reelected, but it's much more important to do the right thing and well, in this the case, only reason i i give her a, a pass on it is we knew that they had the votes of course of course all right if they didn't have the votes i think she would have probably voted for her. i just find it more than bizarre though that you'll vote with the democrats about the filibuster but then you vote for the nominee i mean these two like Murkowski? Just, yeah i mean come on she said, play both sides, okay? Try to play it down the middle well, as much what, as you can. Well, that's what she did. And that's useless for our side. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm The middle of the road is not, you know, that's what the Republicans have done all these years. As much as I can't stand Romney, I'll give him credit that he came out immediately and At said that he would said, vote yeah. for her uh, for confirmation. But let's talk about the left. Uh, <laughs> AOC, as soon as the confirmation was done and it was announced... Uh, she texted, pack the court. Expand the court. Stop yeah, expand expand the, court. the court. That was her word. Expand yeah. uh, the court. Uh, Hirono, the uh, senator from Hawaii, uh, cast her vote against her, uh, not AOC, but against uh, uh, Barrett, and then stormed out of the chamber. Used a little profanity along the way. Yeah, I hadn't heard I'm, about that. But, I believe. Yeah. I mean, you she's, know, what do they all think you that have a, to do is listen to her to know that she's a dimwit anyway. She's mm. I don't understand the people of Hawaii even voting for her. I mean, I'm all about family and the whole nine yards going on over there in uh, Hawaii. And I understand a lot of pot smoking goes on, but you can smoke pot. You can you can be for your family and know when you got a dummy in in the Senate, you need to get rid of them. She's you know, one. Mm, she's one. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I I I drop her right in there with uh, Sheila Jackson and Joy, uh, who is it out there on the West Coast? Oh, I know who you're thinking. Maxine Waters. Yeah, Waters mm-hmm. and the squad and, and, and all the, other, that the crazy one. Well, speaking of the squad, you know, Elon Omar. Oh yeah. Last night, you know, on Twitter, she says, "Remember that Republicans have lost six of the last seven popular votes." But they've appointed six of the last nine justices. Yeah, because they won the Elector College. Thank you. (laughs) By expanding the court, we can fix this broken system and have the court better represent the values of the American people. Since when does Elon Omar know anything at all about the values of America? Which is the one that was married to her brother or whatever? That's her. Is that her? That's her. The they, one that also paid her, her husband two point seven million dollars because it's campaign money, and he's got the uh, you know or the campaign organization. 
Yeah, she's the one Crooked from up as, there in the Somali district. Well, of, uh, also the one the whistleblowers came out where they're buying the votes yes. of the Somali neighborhoods up there, and she's totally implicated. I mean, on video, totally implicated. So I let me walking ask this away question. from all I got to ask this question, and 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 it's the reason that we find ourselves many times in the positions that we get ourselves into. The woman should be in jail right now. I think so. I don't understand why. Well, I do, but. By the law, I don't understand why she's not arrested. I agree. I do understand why, because she's being totally protected, just like Hunter Biden and everybody else that's been in so much trouble publicly. The uh, the left and the media, you know, they've closed ranks more than I've ever seen in my lifetime, Dave. I mean, she's up there in uh, St. Paul uh, in an area that is basically a Somali enclave. And that's refugee. I mean, we had this big kerfuffle in Arkansas about bringing refugees to our state. This is why you don't want a whole community coming into your state of refugees. That's how she got elected. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and Somali refugees in St. Paul. Yeah. They're in in St. Paul. There's an area there uh, that's, uh, from what I understand, uh, if you're just an American, I don't care if you're black, white, Asian or whatever, Stay out of there. They don't want you there. Well, I mean, you hear the, you know, how many times a day, call to prayer, bring broadcast across the public streets and all of that. because well, That it happens is, in Dearborn, Michigan. I know, and in well. Michigan as well. It's it's becoming a norm in those parts of the country. That's not America. Well, it's it's freedom of religion. It is freedom of religion. I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that. But I will say that uh, you have to be aware of the people that you're voting for and what they believe in. And uh, if they they adhere to the uh, Middle Eastern viewpoint of, uh, you know, the Muslim religion, uh, they don't believe in democracy. They don't believe in a republic. They believe in Sharia law. That's correct. Above everything else. Yes. and, And everything. I believe it's wrong for any judge to say that Sharia law uh, can be put into effect in our country because it uh, it cannot supersede the Constitution. That's correct. So makes for a, an interesting uh, conversation, to say the least. Well, with our new Supreme Court, do you suppose that over a little bit of time we might have some of those cases sort of I come up to the Supreme see Court? Come up. Uh, we need to. We need to have, settle some. There's several different cases coming up now. Uh, from what I understand, it's going to be Tuesday. When the uh, uh, when Roberts does whatever he does, you know, I don't know if they sprinkle her with holy water. Oh, they have or a private whatever. ceremony I'm just for the saying, other oath. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying that they, they do something, and yeah, uh, a, and I guess that's when they put the robe on her. Is that not right? Or I'm did not they, sure. Or did they do that with with uh, Thomas last night? I did not see it. I know she took her constitutional oath of office last night then the private one is the ju- sorry judicial oath of office so maybe that's when she gets I, to put the robe that, on yeah that seems which would mean that maybe next wednesday uh, she'll be sitting down on the court i think it'll happen pretty quick i don't think it'll take long no i mean that was the whole reason of getting her there is so that everything that happens after tuesday we can Take care of it with a full court instead of a split court that basically returns everything down to the lower courts. So some of the issues that are going to come up, and this is the reason the left is 
freaking out. If you saw the video a few weeks back of when she was nominated and that one woman who was driving in her car and all of a sudden she heard that uh, Barrett was the pick and she just went, she lost it. Totally shrieking, freaking, screaming, yeah, uh, all that. I would you post that on our my Facebook? Oh, we did once before. I'll go pull it out. Well, we'll not that we'll one. No, I want the one that you got. Oh, really? I okay. want the, we can the do one that. that's got, I think, the, what the six ladies yeah, going it's a, it's absolutely kind of like a Zoom meeting with going, them all doing it, <laughs> going crazy, crazy. I mean, just I'll, I'll put a volume hollering. warning on it, you know, because you'll want to turn your volume down a little bit if yeah. you decide to watch this video. <laughs> here's the key. If by some chance, and I, I'm not expecting this to happen, but if President uh, Trump would lose next Tuesday, uh, I won't be on Wednesday. I'll be back on Thursday because I'll be up late on mm-hmm. Tuesday night because of the election. And uh, at 67, I do need to get my sleep anymore. I just do not do well. Uh, trying to come back and like I used to be able to do after you know four hours of sleep or whatever, so I'll uh, I'll let somebody fill in for me. But uh, bottom line is, uh, you'll not see me shrinking like that, losing myself. I'm I'm going to be a happy camper because I we got a, a conservative majority of six three right now, and uh, I will expect that the uh, Supreme Court will do their due diligence if necessary to stop any kind of craziness uh, by the Democrats. Look, they try to bring back the public option where you must buy uh, health insurance. Oh, they're going to try. They'll lose. I think they're going to try. They'll lose. I can tell you right now, they're going to lose. It'll be a, it may, now, it might be Roberts might go with the minority, but it'd still be 5-4. And that's what excites me now. And, you know, Roberts can turn into justice kennedy or whatever but he can he's going to lose more than he wins so bottom line they i don't think the public option ever come back and without the public option without forcing people to pay a tax uh to have health insurance so much for they're saying everybody should have health care free yeah Nothing's free, folks. You're going to pay for it. Well, and they've already decided, you know, all on their own. The left has decided all on their own that the current case on ACA in front of the Supreme Court will totally dismantle the whole thing and completely ruin it. And it's only about one piece. And every constitutional scholar, I I understand that it has to do with when Judge Roberts, uh, Justice Roberts, decided we're paying a tax instead of a fee. Well, when Trump undid that part of it, in other words, it's not mandatory any longer. Right. It sort of undermined some of the principles they'd put in place, and it's called severability. Does well, the other part of the law still a, stand? It, it is a house of cards right now. Correct. But, but you know, does the other part of the law still stand if this part is gone? And that is what they're having to decide is my understanding. And right now, if we look at the way the court is aligned – I mean, you're looking, no Thomas is against it. Uh, Gorsuch is against it. Um, Barrett has written stuff that would lead us to believe she'll be against it. Um, trying to think of the other Supreme Court well, justices. I'm certainly no Supreme Court justice, but I don't see anywhere in the Constitution, and many of us have carried a pocket copy of that for many, many years. 
It's nowhere in there. It does not say anywhere in there we have a right, right to for the insurance. government to buy our health insurance. That's right. Sorry. That's true, and I think it. I think that it uh, it causes problems with the commerce, uh, commerce clause and, and all kinds of things. I thought interesting we were talking uh, with uh, uh, Congresswoman Cheney talking about there are, I know Seattle is one, Portland's one, won't let them ship coal. Through their ports? From the ports I had not there, heard that. Yeah, going to China and, and, to, and, and more so to India. Uh, you can't sell coal to them because it's a uh, you know it's a polluting uh, type of energy, and I'm with uh, her. It's going to end up in the Supreme Court it because to. it's a commerce clause. It is, and who controls the ports? They're not governmental uh, entities. They're privately owned, are they not? Yep. I don't understand. I just don't understand. Except for the fact that every time I hear one of these stories, the thing that goes through my head is we have allowed the left to infiltrate yes. and take over everything, everything everywhere. Because we haven't stood up. Because I mean, we haven't stood up and done our jobs to protect things are going our country. On in the schools I agree with on. you, Dave. I agree with you. And this has Parents been, of course, haven't stood up about it. That's right. That's Evidently, right. they all believe in it. Um, or they're too busy looking elsewhere. Them, when I talk to them, they tell me they don't believe in it, but and they don't take the necessary time to stop it if if i'm just telling you if, if a majority of parents i've seen this happen in cabot already if a majority of parents show up at a school board meeting all of a Something sudden change it changes numbers matter numbers matter numbers matter they it understand always people are irritated they might get voted out of the school board or you might end up not being superintendent anymore then they're going to listen they, they start listening that's right and parents i I, again, I have no children, but I. Oh, it's a good thing that in Conway that I don't, because they'd be hearing a lot more from me than they probably want to hear. I don't understand how parents cannot become so much more active in what's going on with their children. Well, in school, and then, of course, the way they are becoming active is there's been a huge, huge increase in homeschooling, and even more. A story in the news today, Texas is re- requiring parents who want to bring their kids home to teach them uh, some areas are making them jump through a lot of extra hoops to do so and not follow just the regular rules well they, they did don't that for a while back and they got beat down by the supreme court on that so hopefully uh people understand their rights about that well again what do they have to do they have to stand up they have to fight back they yeah. have to not take it sitting down my fear is that people are going to wake up and go oh we should have yeah we could have and well, it's going to be it's too late. It's been that way in some instances. Okay, a break. Final break, then we'll be back for the final segment. Heidi's telling me it's time to break. She, I, you have to understand, she keeps you on Heidi is like a second wife. All right? She tell. <laughs> look at her face. <laughs> I wish I had a picture Not of that like one. that. And her eyes I'm, were I'm really, really big. Fun. I'm making fun, but she tells me what I can and can't I was do. Say, she and gets she's to, telling she gets me right to boss now, you around. you got to shut up. And I'll do that right now. Final segment, Dave Ellswick's show. Uh, I get Poll King sends me a poll question every day. Oh, yeah. And today's uh, poll question and uh, uh, the update on the number of votes thus far in the last 30 minutes, 13,644 right now. Across the country? Oh, yeah, on your, on your across poll. Across the country, On yes. your poll. Uh, the question is, are you better off now than you were four years ago. 
And how many answers? Thirteen. Uh, right now, it's thirteen thousand seven hundred and seventeen. Okay. All right, okay. as you can hear, it's going up. Seventy-eight point six percent say yes. Twenty-one point three percent say no. I believe that's kind of the way the electorate is is leaning. Uh, right now, uh, Gallup says fifty-seven percent of Americans feel that they're doing better now than they were four years ago. And that's why all of the polls that are showing Biden up by, you know, X amount of you know, seven, eight, ten points are false. I'm just telling you, they're false. Well, we learned this in 2016. And until the pollsters can show me something really different, I don't think I'm going to believe them much more now. You know, the old story about the boy that cried wolf. I mean, come on. You we remember know exactly. Kaz, right? Paul Cosby, my, my, my little brother from, from um, uh, fraternity that was on with me a couple months back talking about the numbers. Ringing and, the alarm on yeah, the numbers they, for COVID. They, there was something wrong with the way the numbers were. And uh, I was talking to him. Uh, yesterday no uh sunday talking to him sunday and he and he says i don't believe the polls day i don't dave i don't pay any attention to it i have not been watching the news for the last month and a half yeah i tell you what i've pretty much ignored mainstream news for a good while here because they are clearly and totally in the tank for the left for biden and i just don't see any reason to fill my head with all of that and frankly this whole bit of business with Hunter Biden has pointed out more than just more than just corruption with the Biden family. If people haven't realized before now that, that the media, the media is, corrupt? is corrupt, then if they hadn't got it now, I don't think they'll ever get it. Well, did you see what the Wall Street Journal, the question that they asked? Mm-hmm. If Biden wins, will the media be nothing more than a propaganda arm? It will be. That's exactly. I, I mean, they I already everybody, are. I, you need to think about that. I'm seriously. just telling you, you need to seriously think about that because as a person who went to college back in the early 70s uh, and my, my major was radio, television, and, uh, and journalism, I can tell you that that's not the journalism I studied at all no way shape it's or not form. the country i was raised in i'll be honest with you well no that that's goes state saying. state controlled state-run media giving you the state-run message is called communism socialism and that is not our country i mean let, let's be honest i mean if if we just look at it a little bit you know what we'll, we're seeing now back in the now, I'm talking to baby boomers right now. You remember this name, Pravda. You know right. what it, I know you know what it means. Yeah. I mean, bottom line, this, that was the Soviet Union's propaganda arm. And it stands for the word truth. Yes. Yeah, of all things. Uh, and, and, and that's what you're getting right now from the mainstream media. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start throwing in some of the local news channels as well i mean seriously i'm 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 seeing the exact same thing you can't tell me oh they'll tell me but i'm telling you i'm going to tell you the truth of it every morning at a tv station or a newspaper you have a meeting of the editors and they sit down and 
they talk about what are the big stories of the day that we're going to cover nothing today. wrong with that all right there's nothing wrong with that no you that's have, organizing your day yeah you have to decide <laughs> what's going to be front page what's going to be second you can't page go and all willy-nilly like that. that's true okay however now what happens is what are we not going to report about because we don't we don't want, want people, people to, know to know about it that's totally different that's totally different and that is happening uh in uh these uh, big meetings now and they're not even trying to hide it that's no. again the one of the most stunning parts of the you know they used to sort of pretend and act as if well, they, they were gaslight equal. us on it though. of course of course and that's called telling you something that you know is not true and convincing you by, re- you know, repeating and repeating and repeating they're going to make it true. That's what they think. You know who said that, but in a different way? Goebbels. Yes. Tell everybody a big enough lie, lie. long enough, enough. and uh, often enough, and yeah. they will believe it. And that's what that's gaslighting and again he knows that because of history and study of history and that's the one thing that we don't have in our schools today yeah all right Elizabeth, but it can be fixed we can get active we can do this always pleasant always uh, <laughs> good to have you here thanks for having you me. you guys gonna win on reallocation yes no we sure hope so all right we plan to spoken like a politician the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks for being with us. See you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Tomorrow, French Hill at 7.